Hey everybody, this is Reese's Peace, episode four. Thanks for tuning in, appreciate you. Uh, it is November 1st, Sunday, November 1st, 2020. Uh, it's 11 o'clock, which was the former 10 o'clock a.m. And uh, yeah, so clocks changed last night, moved back, so we gain an hour. Brighter in the morning, darker at night. Not sure how I feel about that. In the past, I've always been kind of, I'd, I'd prefer to be in the, what I, what I think is the daylight savings time at all times, which was basically where we were before today, which is um, in March, when we roll our clocks forward, it'll basically be darker in the morning at the same time and brighter in the evening. I don't know. Something about that, I just kind of preferred that. Anyhow, so it's Sunday. Um, I just got back from a drive, and that uh, I'll explain that. So basically, um, I've got a recall on my truck. Um, it's a low-pressure fuel pump that apparently can cause stalling, which I think I've noticed. Like if I, if I give it a little more gas than it's really uh, able to pick up, it'll kind of like give a little stutter before it, you know, giddy up you know um so anyway uh as part of that recall when i bring it in this coming tuesday election day coincidentally um i i need to have the fuel down to below a quarter tank and uh another thing that i i don't drive the thing very often because i work from home i mean i drive it when i go and i ride in the mountains oftentimes that's like a whole tank of fuel to drive out and back from wherever it is that i'm riding anyhow um, I also am very diligent and probably, by most people's estimations, obsessive about recording my, um, basically, the amount of miles that I got between fill-ups. And I record the amount of fuel that it took to fill up and my odometer reading and I populate the date and time. I have, I have an automated Excel sheet, so basically, yeah, that kind of explains it there, but... Uh, um, it's a Google Drive sheet, I should say. Um, anyway, so I'm diligent about that. I have recorded every single fill-up in that truck since I bought it. So um, I didn't want to screw that up by like putting a partial uh, bit of fuel in after a ride. So I elected not to go for a ride this weekend because I figured that that would kind of make it difficult for me to, uh, to get to below a quarter tank reliably um, for this for this recall appointment. Anyhow, so this week, this last week, I've been doing a drive after I get off work and after I do my bike ride and whatever. I've been taking that opportunity to um, go for a drive, do like a 30 or 40 mile drive and bring the dog because she doesn't like riding in the truck and uh, just kind of get her used to riding in the truck. And anyway, so we'll go for a drive and uh, that's, so that's what I did this morning. And uh, at the end of my drive, I was planning on going to Costco. And um, so I kind of went out of my way, went down to Costco, drove through the parking lot. The parking lot was packed, so I was already didn't have a good, good sense of what was going on. And uh, then I, I finally got up near the front of the store while I was driving through the parking lot, and I could see that people were standing in line outside. And I said, nope, not about that. I'm out of here. So um, came home decided to do a podcast. So while I was on that drive, I started thinking about some things. Oh, and just a funny note, 
Uh, this is something that I saw on the road as I was just, just turning into our neighborhood. Um, saw this big lifted Chevy or GMC, one of those GM trucks. Um, you know, really nice road princess type looking truck. Um, and I saw something kind of look like it was hanging down in the back. You know, it was coming toward me uh, in the opposite side of the street. And I thought, oh, you know, maybe it's, you know, a set of balls or something. You know, those bull balls that they hang down there and think those are, those are funny. Um, and anyway, as he went past, I was able to see back there. And uh, it was actually his hitch. So he had a drop hitch with, you know, like a ball on there, two-inch ball or whatever it was. And uh, his hitch, uh, the receiver part and the actual drop hitch and ball were bent down at like a 45 degree angle. And so like I could see that and then I saw the rest of it and his like whole rear bumper was also kind of like sagging down at that same angle. So I thought that was, that was kind of funny. That guy clearly must have uh, uh, put something a little heavy on there or something. Anyway, got me thinking about... Um, Tall Josh up in Reading with his podcast, uh, Am I Just Angry? He did this episode on this, this guy who collected some tires from, his, um, from Josh's workplace. And Josh loaded a bunch of concrete-filled tires into the back of his trailer. And uh, at the guy's request, dropped him from a pretty, pretty uh, tall height and uh, just squashed the hell out of that trailer. And it made me, made me think of that and how... Um, how that guy's hitch might have looked in response to that. Anyway, I thought that was funny. So um, on my drive today, uh, I got to thinking about, I've been like chain smoking a lot of podcasts here, like just running through them. Uh, I listened to all of Tall Josh's podcasts just to like get up to date and uh, actually listen to his latest, which um, in the beginning, uh, so he had... Um, the other Josh, Josh Dewey from uh, What Do We Do, had him on there with him. I guess they went up and played some golf yesterday. And so um, in, in Tall Josh's podcast, Am I Just Angry, he had Josh Dewey on there as, as a guest, you know, before and after their golf game. So anyway, they were kind of talking, and um, um, they mentioned, Josh Dewey mentioned that he listened to my, my most recent podcast, uh, about inconsiderate versus malicious on the way on the way up to meet the other Josh for the golf game and um, and then they kind of talked about a topic that I pitched to tall Josh as something that I would like to hear his uh, opinion on I might talk about that later it's about um, political and proposition support signs in people's yards and things like that anyway so it was kind of fun to listen to those guys uh, you know they kind of gave me a shout out and I always like to give them a shout out because it's kind of like our little ring of, of podcasts that we just circulate among ourselves and it's, it's just kind of fun. Um, anyway, so I was, thinking, I was thinking about my last podcast, uh, which was about considerate versus malicious and just considering other people's ideas of things. And uh, so this podcast is going to be about um, car philosophy. And so... Um, just as a, a teaser at the beginning here, if you are the type of person who, um, you know, you go, you go out to your car in a parking lot and you're parked next to another car and, and you need to open your door and, and you need a little bit of extra room. So you, you open your door wide enough. So it's touching the adjacent car, uh, to, to get whatever it is that you need in or to get out. And, uh, maybe somebody makes a comment to you, Hey, like, that's my car. Like, don't do that. And you're like, Hey man, just 
relax, it's a car. If you're that type of person, uh, this podcast is for you. If you are the type of person where um, that's your car and you come out later and you find that there's, you know, a little scuff in your clear coat, um, you know, shit will buff out, as they say. But still, it makes more work for you and you get upset by that. You are annoyed by that. This podcast is also for you. So, um, like I said, this podcast is going to be about car philosophy, okay? So, just to give you a backstory, um, I gave you a little bit of backstory about my just general history, but um, I don't know if I would consider myself a car guy in the traditional sense, but I think I am just because of the things that I care about. So, um, I'll let you decide for yourself. So, Here's my background. Um, my dad was a mechanic for many, many years, and he still works on all of his own vehicles and has for as long as I've been alive. And I've been a part of that because that was just what we did in my family. I just helped. I knew where all the tools were in the toolbox. And when I was old enough, I was helping him actually take things apart, put them together instead of just fetching tools. Um, so I got to learn all of that stuff from him and, uh, you know, through that whole process and having dirt bikes growing up did, you know, all of our own work. So gained an appreciation for my things, you know, my motorized vehicles, um, you know, starting with dirt bikes and, and leading into, you know, my first vehicles. Um, I actually got my very first vehicle, I think when I was like 11 or 12, um, my dad helped me buy which I, I don't think I really contributed much. It's just kind of like what I remember. Uh, a Suzuki Samurai, like a 1986 or 7 Suzuki Samurai, which is essentially just a small SUV thing, two-door SUV, soft top, uh, four-cylinder uh, with a five-speed manual. And uh, so I drove that around. And then uh, later on, uh, I don't remember what exactly was the stopgap. But anyway, we got rid of that. And uh, like my very first vehicle when I got my license was uh, a 1985 Toyota pickup. It was a tan, you know, the typical Toyota tan, very light tan, not the, not the quicksand that you see on the Tacomas these days, but lighter. Um, single cab, long bed, you know, long enough for me to stick my dirt bike in at the time. Uh, and again, five-speed manual. Uh, so that was kind of like my dad's bread and butter was that type of truck. He knew how to work on those really well. And uh, so I got to learn how to work on those a little bit. And, uh, and then my next car, which was shortly after that, my dad picked up this really just cherry 1985 Toyota pickup SR5, you know, like really original white. And we all, we love white vehicles in my family. So it was original, had the original stripes on it, had a roll bar. It was a single cab short bed, so a shorter wheelbase, um, but just a, a really, really nice truck. Um, ended up uh, putting an engine in it, I think, or like rebuilding an engine that we had in the garage and putting it in the truck or something like that. And anyway, I, I really wanted that truck. So my dad was nice enough. He gave me the truck. And so I basically traded him the tan one and we got rid of the tan one. So that was a really nice rig. I love I loved that truck. I think my dad really loved that truck. And it was just really cool to drive. And again, five-speed manual. You'll notice a trend there. Um, so, uh, so those are, those are kind of like my first vehicles. And then I got, uh, when I was in high school, it was gas prices were starting to get pretty expensive. So then I got a Focus, a Ford Focus wagon, um, which 
you know, people poo-poo the wagons, you know, because they look like a grocery getter. But honestly, very practical. I love them. Anyhow, again, five-speed manual. Very fun car. It was like my first, quote, fast car. You know, it was a, a higher compression engine with dual overhead cam. So it was, it was nice. You know, it was, it was faster than my old Toyota pickup, you know. My old Toyota pickups, keep in mind, were also four-wheel drive. Um, so then I got this, uh, this wagon. And um, let's see, I sold, I think I sold the, sold the white pickup truck that I had. Um, got a pretty penny for that because, like I said, it was cherry and desirable and ended up buying a, a GSXR 750 street bike. Um, so that was like my first, um, I guess that wasn't my first. I ended up having, I had a, a street bike, a cruiser before that, that um, was my, my first introduction to riding motorcycles on the street. And so this was like my second bike. Anyway, I'd always wanted a crotch rocket, so I, I finally got one. Um, so I had that. Um, let's see, where did I go from there car-wise? Um, I then bought a Toyota Corolla XRS, which is kind of like the um, sporty version. Again, a higher compression engine, a six-speed manual, um, pretty... Pretty hot little car. I really liked that car. That was kind of like the car that got away. I really, really missed that thing. That was thing was fun to drive. Had this really annoying TRD exhaust on it that just made it sound like every other tuner out there. But the thing was just a blast to drive. Um, really liked that. So that was a lot of fun. Um, and then before we moved to Milwaukee, I, I alluded to this before. I I sold that XRS and I bought um, uh, a Subaru Outback wagon. Um, and, uh, you know, found the nicest one I could find and, uh, bought it from an engineer and, and original owner. And it was, it was pretty nice, had low miles. Um, we did a bunch of work to it, my dad and I, before I moved to Milwaukee to make sure that it was up to snuff. And again, that was a very nice vehicle. I mean, most people wouldn't consider an Outback, a, a Subaru Outback to be like a nice vehicle, but you know, that was a pretty damn nice vehicle when we got done with it, you know, doing all the work. But it was nice before that just because the guy had kept it so well. Um, but then after we had done all that work to it, just, you know, we replaced the head gaskets. We had the engine out. I got to attribute a lot of that to my dad because I was trying to contribute, but I was also going to university at the time. So um, he had time and, and he knew what to do. So he, you know, he popped the engine out for me. Um, then we... You know, I, I did a lot of the things on the engine on the stand while it was out. Um, you know, timing belts, uh, pulleys, gaskets here and there that were leaking or that I'd researched and needed to be changed. Like I said, head gaskets, things here and there, spark plugs, spark plug wires, all this stuff. Like, I had a spreadsheet that went on and on. So, granted, I, I cared a lot about it, and, and it was a fantastic vehicle. Um, and then we moved to Milwaukee, uh, my wife and I. And um, at that point in time, uh, I, I was driving the Subaru for like th three years or two years while we were in Milwaukee, two and a half years, something like that. No, about three years. And then um, I knew that at some point in time I was going to need a pickup truck because I was anticipating and just kind of like, you know, willing it that we would move away from Milwaukee and someplace back into the mountains and I would get to ride dirt bikes again. So... Um, you know, I kind of did something that's a little bit out of the ordinary for my family and um, Alyssa and I bought a brand new Tacoma. So I ordered it 
uh, just the way I wanted it. Um, so 2018 Tacoma TRD off-road with a six-speed manual, four-wheel drive. Um, not too many frills with it, but just those are the things that uh, I thought would be useful. My mom has had essentially the same truck from the year 2000 that she'd been driving for 15 years. So um, it was a great, great vehicle. Um, anyway, so I, I knew that Tacoma, a Tacoma was what I wanted because I wanted a manual transmission and any other truck in that segment, you couldn't get a manual transmission unless you got the, like the low, low, low end, um, like work truck or whatever. So got that Tacoma. That was kind of like my pride and joy. Um, you know, I, I just loved that truck. I, I still love that truck. That's what I was driving today. That's what I still have today. Um, great truck. Just got done. This weekend's project was washing and waxing both vehicles. Um, just getting ready for the winter time. So that's kind of like, that's where I come from as far as vehicles go. Like that may kind of help you understand my appreciation for vehicles and why I think the way I think about vehicles. So um, backing up a little bit, when we moved to Milwaukee, I, uh, you know, I have, I, I have always had this sense of how I feel about vehicles. And when I got to Milwaukee, um, I, I encountered folks, you know, granted, so I moved from a very small town, um, when you compare it to Milwaukee, a very small, you know, foothill slash mountain town where, you know, people worked on a lot of their stuff and you had to drive fairly far to get to wherever it is you wanted to go. Like my house was like 15 minutes from town. So if, you know, when I drove to work, it was 15 minutes. When I drove to university, it was like, you know, 40 miles. So like an hour, depending on what I was driving. Anyway, um, vehicles were important. And then when I got to Milwaukee, you know, it's a, it's an urban environment. You know, we lived in kind of like a suburb, like outside of like Milwaukee proper, but our address was still Milwaukee. And, uh, my, my place of business, you know, my work was seven miles away, you know, straight up, uh, a stop lighted street with like, I don't know, I think, I think I counted at one point, there's something like 13 stoplights in the seven miles, which is very annoying. They were front loaded, which also made it annoying. So like I would encounter the majority of the stoplights in a short period of time um, headed to work, which also made it annoying coming back to work because I would encounter so many at the end of my drive when I just want to be home. Anyhow, so it's an urban environment, you know, people, and it's also the Midwest. So like cars don't really last as long as say the West Coast because we don't get the weather on the West Coast or at least in the mountains where I lived. We don't get the type of weather and we don't have the type of like anti-icing and, and snow removal type of chemicals being applied to our roads. And uh, our roads are better quality because of our weather is, is not as harsh and we don't have to put those chemicals down to, to make it safe to drive. So in Milwaukee, as some people will know, um, it's, it's Midwest, so they use salt on the roads. The weather in the wintertime is very harsh, and like ice is like a pretty common occurrence, so there is always salt on the roads. Like anytime we get wind that there's going to be a storm, they preemptively salt. So there's always salt on the roads to make sure that it's safe to drive. And it, it was safe to drive, but the downside to that is that that salt is very corrosive, to your vehicle. So anytime you get exposed bare 
um, iron, uh, any type of steel, I mean, and even aluminum can discolor and, and corrode over time. But anytime you like uh, chip the paint and, and you chip it down to steel or, or down to some form of, of iron or steel, um, some ferritic metal uh, for the scientists out there, it's going to start to rust. And then that will just, if you don't do something about it, it will just get away from you. So a lot of people just don't. You know, a car is kind of like an appliance. They buy it, they, you know, do the required maintenance, but they'll run it into the ground over the course of ownership, throw it away and get a new one because at that point in time, it's rusted so bad that you can see through the floorboards or like it's really not safe to drive. You know, there are pieces of cars on the sides of the road, like pieces of the metal pieces of the cars because they're just deteriorating. So like people, I think I attribute that, um, because that happens, that is why people have that mentality about their cars. So anyway, I, I encountered these people at work, and so I was kind of like questioning the people at work about it. And the majority of the people who are from the Midwest, you know, when you talk to them about vehicles, you know, you don't really have so many car guys, you know, like, or gals, whatever. Like people, people don't really think of cars the way that I thought of my car and all of my vehicles growing up, you know, like they, they don't, you know, obsess over, you know, making sure that it gets washed after every, every time or every week or so that you drive it in the snow because you're trying to get all that salt and crap off of it to keep it from corroding. They don't, they don't do that type of thing. You know, they, they, they use the car for transportation to get to and from wherever it is they need to go and uh, park it in the garage or park it on the street even and and that's that you know it's it's an appliance it's a thing that they bought to serve a purpose and um, you know I I kind of treat my vehicles as like a part of the family you know I take really good care of them as good a care as I take care of my dog you know like it's a part of the family it's important to me I spent a lot of money on it it means a lot to me it's a status symbol it's it's something that is important for my way of life. I mean, my truck is not really a status symbol. It's just, it's an important piece of my life, especially now. Um, now that I use it for, for riding dirt bikes, you know, I need to use it to go where I need to go every weekend. Um, but anyway, other the people in the Midwest just didn't have that mentality. And so like, that was something that I just, I just couldn't fathom like I knew that people were not car people like there were people who were not car people but they tended to take pretty good care of their cars you know like they would wash them pretty regularly and try to make sure that they were nice and clean on the inside and um you know this is my experience from um northern California in the mountains there and uh you know people cared about their vehicles but granted it was easier to keep them nice there so it was just it was so hard for me to grasp this this difference in mentality toward vehicles like these to them it's an appliance to me it's a part of my family and and i you know you can you can assign good or bad things to either side of that coin um but it was just a shocker to me you know how uh how disposable a vehicle was to the folks in the midwest to, to a lot of the folks that i worked with and and granted most of the people that I worked with, um, that was another culture shift for me is I went from kind of like small rural town to like outskirts of a big city, you know, like I'm encountering a lot of city folk, you know, who didn't have the same 
type of upbringing with vehicles and didn't have the same, obviously didn't have the same type of like working on your vehicles and like taking pride in your vehicle and, and knowing the intimate details of what's going on with your vehicle. These people didn't have that. And that was like another culture shock for me is even like these folks that I was working with who were like maybe my same generation, even older generation were just kind of like, you know, just have, have no concept of the things that I do at no fault of their own. At the time, I thought, man, you guys are crazy and, and I hate your way of life. But, you know, looking back, I, <laughs> I think to myself, well, you know, it just wasn't, that was, just wasn't how they did things. And, and, you know, I didn't really think that they were as crazy anymore, I guess. I still think it's, it seems strange. But um, they just, you know, they just didn't think the same way as me. So that, that really got me thinking, you know, that's kind of stems and I alluded to this at the beginning of this rant that I'm going on now that um you know thinking about things differently like people other people have different ways of thinking about the same things um so like the way that I think about cars is not going to be the same way that other people think about cars so um you know like I explained in the beginning of the po- in the beginning of this podcast for those people who think of their car as kind of like an appliance and they they let their door rest against the adjacent car because it allows them some more room to get in and out of their car. Um, like if, if, if you are one of those people, if I could have you take away anything from this podcast, I would hope that it would be, I'm, I'm pleading with you, please don't do that. Please consider other people's property and how it might make them feel that their car that they spent a lot of money on, they might think differently than you, that that might be a big deal for them, that that means that they will notice that and they will have to take care of that. And that's extra work that you are making for them. So, I mean, I don't want to use this podcast as a way of preaching to other people, but that would be something that, you know, I I would hope that that type of person would take away from this podcast. And if you are the other type of person who just gets infuriated by that type of thing, and I was definitely one of those types of people, and still it really annoys me, but I try to think about it from the other side of the coin, I would encourage you, if you are that type of person, consider another person's attitude toward vehicles. And and while it may seem malicious, Again, to use those terms, while it may seem malicious or just incredibly inconsiderate, they might not even be aware that that is a problem for you. And um, so I guess that was something that I kind of took away from my Milwaukee experience was just these people, you know, one thing that seems to be very common amongst the entire country in the U.S., at least it seems, is we have cars. You know, a lot of people have cars, but what is not consistent is our attitude toward our vehicles, you know? Like, we don't all take care of them the same way and don't see the need to take care of them in the same way. And while that just seems so ridiculous to me that something you rely on so intimately or so so much for your daily activities that you wouldn't spend more time on, while I realize that that is, that is my biased perspective, I know that other people don't think that same way and that it's just a fact of life that every once in a while you're going to have to throw away a car and get a new one. So that is 
kind of like my my rant for the day, my thought for the day, what I was thinking about on my drive, um, you know, just after having spent hours this weekend washing both our cars, and I even have one of those like chamois cloths, you know, it's a... Um, it's like a, a synthetic leather almost and synthetic animal hide that um, dries it off. You know, I spend almost as, t- as much time drying the vehicle off with this device, this cloth of sorts, that I do actually washing the thing just to make sure that, the, the, you know, there's no water spots on it. We have hard water here, so we do get water spots. Um, I spent hours washing both our vehicles and chamois drying it. And I, I even strategized that I would wash Alyssa's car first and then uh, dry it and then wash mine and, <clears throat> excuse me, and then dry it and leave hers out so that it would dry even more so that I could wa- uh, wax hers uh, first. That way, you know, she's got to work today so she could use it today. And then I'd just wax mine later because I don't drive mine as often. So anyway, just all that time that I spent you know, caring for our vehicles and making sure that they look nice. And, and I do obviously do the um, mechanical maintenance as well. Just, I was just realizing how that is not consistent across all people. And, um, you know, I am, I guess I am in, in, in most people's way of thinking, a car guy. And uh, I really enjoy shifting my own gears and I, I enjoy that I can maintain my own vehicles. I'm not going to say that I do enjoy doing it. I'm glad that I have time to do it, and I'm sure at some point it's going to become a nuisance. But, um, yeah, I just... Uh, people people don't think the same. But, uh, and and just... Here's another tip that I, I, I will impart on you. Uh, I got this idea from my dad. Um, he was explaining that they just bought this truck from my mom, um, basically the same truck I have, just with a lift and some other things on it that she really liked. And it had hard water spots just kind of like baked into the windows. And apparently he was saying that he took a, I think it was scotch Bright. I took away scotch Bright. Maybe he said steel wool, like a really light steel wool, and maybe that's where I went wrong. But um, anyway, he was, he was saying that he took one of these abrasives to the windows and cleaned off all the hard water spots really well. And... Uh, so after he told me about that, I was thinking about that. Uh, Alyssa had gotten some hard water spots on her car after I'd hosed it off innocently once just to get some dust off, and, and I didn't dry it. And uh, so I thought, oh, yeah, well, this would be perfect. I'll just I'll get one of my uh, Scotch-Brite pads that I use for my dirt bike and, and um, you know, get those hard water spots off, lickety-split. And uh, it turns out either things are caught in the Scotch-Brite or the Scotch-Brite itself put these tiny little swirly scratches all over her windows. So uh, again, if I can impart something on you from this podcast and, and give you a little bit of advice, don't do that because uh, you'll end up with these tiny little swirl marks all over your windows that you, you'll you notice in that kind of twilight period or that period of time where like you have a light shining kind of across the window and not directly at it. But it's, uh, yeah, I noticed it last night after I had washed and waxed her car she pointed it out that she sees these marks, and I thought, what? That's impossible. You know, glass is way harder than a Scotch-Brite. But uh, I don't know. Maybe she had a point. Maybe maybe the temper material that, that keeps it from shattering uh, is also somewhat soft, and uh, maybe I've scratched that something. Anyway, 
there's these marks on it. I even took some uh, some polishing compound this morning to see if if that would take it off just with a quick few swirls with my finger on a on a microfiber cloth, and that didn't work. So they're in there. So don't if you care about that type of thing, don't do that because <laughs> you'll end up with swirl marks like I have now in, in Alyssa's car. Fortunately, I didn't do it on my truck because I didn't have any water spots, but now I just feel bad because I did it on her car. But anyway, so if you can't tell, um, you know, I, I like cars. I, I like our vehicles. And just as a point of reference, uh, we did buy Alyssa a new vehicle. Uh, we bought her a RAV4 hybrid. And uh, that was kind of like, I was pushing the hybrid because she drives a lot, um, just kind of city driving back and forth to work. And I thought that that would be a good introduction for us to get into hybrid technology because we, you know, my family's never had a hybrid, her family's never had a hybrid and, and they're becoming very popular. And Toyota is one of the, like the leaders in hybrid technology with their Prius. So I thought, Hey, you know, if you want a small SUV, let's look at the hybrid. And she was up for it. So anyway, so she has a bright white, we both have the same color, bright white um, RAV4 hybrid, uh, and I've got the bright white Tacoma TRD off-road. Um, nice white vehicles. Man, I, I can't tell you how much I love white vehicles. They look so good, especially I've got these nice LED lights in the garage, and uh, when I turn those on and the vehicles are clean, it just lights up that garage like crazy. It's awesome. Um, so yeah, love love vehicles, you know, do, do all of our own work. My Toyota care and Toyota gives you two years free maintenance with your vehicles. And so that recently ran out on my truck. So I, um, I did some maintenance that I probably didn't need to do, but I replaced like literally all of the oils. So I didn't replace brake fluid or coolant, but I replaced, um, man, at this point I've replaced the brake fluid in the clutch reservoir. Um, but I replaced front diff, rear diff, uh, transmission, transfer case, and engine all myself over the course of a week. Um, just because at this point it's now probably broken in. Um, that was an experience. So, um, yeah, I, uh, I value my vehicles. I take really good care of them um, for both of us. You know, I basically have two vehicles to take care of. At this point, my fleet is small, so I can manage it. And... and you know, it doesn't get out of hand easily. Um, but we don't really need more than two cars, especially since they're, they're newer vehicles. So I would love to have like a nice fast car, but you know, for what I'm, uh, for what I'm into, I get, uh, my need for speed is satisfied by my dirt bike riding. So, and I've, I've never done a plug for my YouTube channel. Uh, I think I mentioned it. I'm, I'm talking on the mic that I use for, uh, my voiceovers on my, my YouTube videos, but I do have a YouTube channel in case this type of thing tickles your fancy. Um, it's called Reese rides. Uh, it's all about, um, you know, I just kind of do videos on the different rides that I do. You'll see a lot of cool views. Even if you're not into the dirt bike riding component to it, there's a lot of really good views. Some of the videos are really long, um, that may just be like me mapping a trail for others to see what a trail is like. Some of them are shorter and, and more funny. Um, so there's definitely some interesting stuff on there. And uh, the guys that I ride with, I think I've talked about before, those guys are awesome. I need to do a podcast on those guys. And the things that we talk about is just just golden. Um, so I'll probably talk about them that at some point in time. But um, 
Anyway, so that's that's my YouTube channel, Reese Rides. There's actually two of us. Uh, there's a, a woman who also lives here in Colorado who is kind of doing like a docu-series of her going through the process of getting her street motorcycle license and um, her first adventures with her new bike and stuff like that. So anyway, there's she's on there. She's, she's a really nice person. We've kind of communicated back and forth. I happen to have gotten the name of my channel like, I don't know, six months before she did. So I have a bit of seniority there, but I just, I reached out to her at one point to let her know, like, you know, we have the same name. That's kind of funny. We live in the same state. That's also kind of funny. Um, but, you know, I am also kind of a gearhead. So if you ever need any help, you know, let me know. Um, you know, we're all a big community, just like the tiny community that I have with the Joshes in our podcasts. Um, I, I would like to be that accessible and that, um, nice and reachable on my YouTube channel. And I've offered people, um, places to ride and things like that. So anyway, uh, that's my YouTube channel in case that interests you. The podcast obviously doesn't really relate to that very much. Um, but it might come up from time to time. So anyway, uh, I'm approaching 40 minutes at this point, which is my longest podcast. I seem to go a little bit longer every time. It's almost as if I, every subsequent podcast, I'm like, my goal is to reach the same time as the previous one, but uh, this one happened to go a little bit longer. Uh, so moral of the story, I guess, for this podcast is people have different car philosophies, and um, uh, I kind of I lumped them into two different philosophies, but there is always a gray area. There is always a spectrum. I'm sure that I'm close to one end of the spectrum, and the people that I describe are close to the other end of the spectrum, um, you know, Basically, one end of the spectrum being your car is an appliance, it's just a thing, and the, other, and, and the other end of the spectrum being, you know, your car is a member of the family, you need to take care of it like you take care of a dog or a child. Um, so anyway, um, that's the kind of the, the moral of my story there is I, I've encountered a different car philosophy that really shook me, and uh, maybe that's something that some of you have experienced in your time I can relate with on either side of the coin. So anyway, uh, I'm going to call it here Sunday afternoon. I think I'm going to do something productive and uh, sit on the couch some more and watch some TV. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I'm going to relax today. My back is kind of kind of sore actually in my arms from all that waxing and, and washing that I did yesterday and a little bit this morning. So um yeah, I think I'm going to take a rest before the work week starts. And uh, yeah, so for all of you out in podcast land, I appreciate you tuning in. Uh, I'm not going to do the same sign off like Tall Josh does, but uh, thanks for listening. And I uh, hope you maybe gain some some new piece of of uh, insight. If, it, if not, just, you know, hey, Reese thinks this. Um, yeah, so uh, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, I hope you have a good time and good day, and uh, I'll catch you on the next one. Be good.